covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. Welcome in, everybody. It is time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us. This is the final podcast before the start of the Brewers regular season. They're going to play a couple games in Arlington, Texas, Monday and Tuesday against the Rangers, get back to Wisconsin and get set to open up the season Thursday afternoon when they take on the Minnesota Twins. We've got a lot coming up on the podcast this week. More about that in a moment. Our housekeeping items, if you want to get in contact with me on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air. Uh, if you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcast and can subscribe and leave a ranking review, that would be fantastic. And also on this very podcast feed, we did a uh, countdown to opening day special on WTMJ and 94.5 ESPN that ran on Sunday night. If you happen to miss it live, we have all three hours podcasted for you. So you can go check that out for yourself. I got to cheat now for a second. Uh, all the guests that we had on. It was uh, it was a lot of fun talking to a number of folks. Jeff Levering, Lane Grindle, Craig Kishon, Tim Dillard, Vinny Rotino, uh, Jared Willis, and Andrew Wagner all joined us. I did not cheat when I did that. I am going to go look now and then make sure I did not miss anybody. Nope, got everybody. So uh, that's available on this very same podcast feed, so I'd love for you to uh, check that out for yourself. Ashton Rotman is back on the podcast this week. He's been on many times. He is uh, part of the morning show over at 94.5 ESPN, producing uh, their morning show and uh, doing a lot of other stuff as well. So we'll talk with Ashton coming up in uh, just a few moments. A few notes from the Brewers. Um Daniel Vogelbach has been informed that he's going to uh, make the team on the opening day roster. Now it is it's widely speculated, and I would agree with this speculation that the Brewers, in terms of the pitcher position player uh, allotment at the beginning of the year, might be a little bit different than what it's going to be eventually. They may start with one less pitcher than they, they'll eventually have as a result of having an off day on the second day of the season, having another off day a week later. You've got at least one off day in each of the first four weeks of the season, so they can utilize that. Uh, we'll see what happens if they get to a point where they do have to add a pitcher to the roster, but at least to start the season, it would appear that Daniel Vogelbach is going to uh, make the club someone who's not going to be there at the beginning of the season as relief pitcher uh, Justin Topa. We're waiting to get more information on him. Maybe by the time you're listening to this podcast, there is more information out there. Uh, but uh, he was part of a uh, basically a scrimmage type thing on Saturday, and uh, he came out with an elbow injury. And it's going to be serious enough to at least uh, result in him being on the injured list to uh, start the season. This past week, the team releasing and signing both uh, Jordan Zimmerman and Brad Boxberger to minor league contracts. There's a there's a rule basically that states uh, if you're a major league player that's got a certain amount of service time. If you're on a minor league contract and you don't make it on the major league team, but they offer you an opportunity to stay in the organization on the minor league contract, there's $100,000 that is due, but you can literally release them and then sign them again to another minor league contract and not owe them that $100,000. And essentially that's what they did as uh, Zimmerman and Boxberger both made the decision to stay with the Brewers. They could have looked elsewhere. There was no, uh, they, they could have clearly gone and seen if there were opportunities with another organization. Uh, but whether there were opportunities or not, they made the decision to uh, stay with the Brewers and uh, honestly, I was a little bit surprised that Boxberger didn't make the opening day roster. I thought we were trending in that direction, that Boxberger was going to be on that opening day roster. That does not seem to be the case. Not shocked on the Jordan Zimmerman development, but uh, Craig Council was uh, very clear in saying that they believe that Zimmerman is going to be part of the Major League roster at uh, some point in time, and they feel like that he's pitching uh, okay right now. So he's going to get stretched back out as a starter. We've talked about it a lot. I don't need to get into it on this podcast. We've talked about it on this podcast many times. We talk about it a lot on that uh, on the special that we did Sunday night that's here on the podcast page, but just the fact that you can expect a lot of pitchers, a lot of pitchers to be starting games this year and a lot of pitchers uh, to be used. Uh, right now, 
it looks like all is good for Lorenzo Cain and Jackie Bradley Jr. to be on the opening day roster. They took it slow with Cain. He was a little bit banged up during spring, but uh, he's good to go, and he's someone who wants to be out there in center field on an everyday basis. Uh, Bradley was dealing with a bit of a wrist issue. They're going to be careful with him, uh, but he's going to be available, and we'll just see how it all plays out. That's one of the big narratives going into this year. They have four guys in those outfield spots between uh, Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, Jackie Bradley Jr. and uh, Avisail Garcia and while I would think all four of them very often will play all in the same game uh, especially when it comes to making sure you've got your best defensive outfield available at the end of a game and a close game not all four of them can start every game so just watching that playing time situation is uh, certainly worth noting going into the season a uh, reminder for you Brewers Baseball on the Brewers Radio Network can be heard on the flagship station 620 WTMJ. I hope you'll join us uh, for Brewers Extra Innings following the games. Now, this is a, uh, a big development, and we'll mention this again at the end of the podcast, but I'll say it now. It was announced this past week. There was a basically Major League Baseball teams have a little bit more control over their digital rights, and we're starting to see Major League Baseball teams allow their flagship stations to actually stream the games, and uh, that's going to happen with uh, WTMJ Stream this year. Now, you do have to be located inside of the five-county area uh, around Milwaukee. That's the There is a geographic restriction to it, uh, but the local digital rights are now uh, something that's controlled by uh, the individual ball clubs. So, from my perspective, I know sometimes uh, one of the complaints I get, and there's really not much that we can do about this, is people tuned in to the Brewers Extra Innings postgame show, and perhaps they hear something from during the day on WTMJ, and they don't totally know what's going on. Well, during the Brewers games, because the Brewers game can't be going out over the stream, instead it's replaced with replays of WTMJ programming, so the game gets over, but they're still in the network broadcast. You go on, and you might hear Jeff Wagner. Or Steve Scafidi, somebody like that, and you got to wait for it to go live, and it does do that before our postgame show. At least for the folks that are in the five county Milwaukee area, you're not going to be waiting for that. You can hear the wrap up of the uh, network radio broadcast before uh, we take over with the Brewers Extra Inning Show. For those of you who are outside of the uh, Milwaukee five county area, just remember uh, you can you can log into the stream. If maybe you watch the game, you got the MLB.tv, whatever it might be, and you want to hear the postgame post-game show uh, that we do that I, myself with uh, either Craig Sean or Jerry Augustine, um, you can just go to the WTMJ stream and eventually uh, it will switch back to a uh, live programming once we get our show uh, going. So just kind of a reminder for you, an opportunity to get even more Brewers coverage on an every game basis. All right, uh, let's get to uh, this week's featured conversation. Uh, it's officially the last podcast before the regular season uh, gets underway. So who better to bring on a guy who's a very common, very frequent visitor to the podcast. He uh, produces the morning show on 94.5 ESPN. He is my friend, Ashton Rotman. Hi, Ashton. Maddie, it is so good to be talking about baseball. I am genuinely honored that I get to be the last guest before baseball season starts. Even though technically you have a huge show coming up that will be out by the time people listen to this, but I'm the last guest, so I feel honored. There you go. Yeah, we're recording this before the Sunday night show airs, which for people listening to this podcast, it has probably already aired because the podcast is not going to be posted until afterwards. However, that show is also being posted on this exact same podcast feed so people can go listen back to that program. It was a great show, Matt. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, just uh, just just as good a radio as, as you can get. I, I will say, so we had a, a number of guests on, uh, and we had the new, now, Bally Sports Wisconsin analyst in mm-hmm. uh, both Tim Dillard and uh, Vinny Rotino, and uh, that... I'm, it's going to be fun to see what those guys kind of bring. They're very different because Vinny is somebody who was a scout, and I think he looks at the game through that way. Sure. And then Tim, Tim was with a team a week ago, so I mean, right. he is he is <laughs> as fresh off playing as possible. Plus, he's got one of the biggest personalities uh, that you're going to find. So I think for Brewers fans, uh, they're going to enjoy what those guys bring to uh, the TV experience. 
Yeah, and I'm looking forward to hopefully Bally uh, Fitness, whatever it's called, Fox Sports Network Bally. I'm really looking forward to them agreeing with YouTube TV on a deal soon. Fair enough. That is what I'm looking forward to. But either way, I will be watching. I'll be following along. And of course, I'll be listening to our friends on the network broadcast as well on the radio. Sidebar for all the people who complain about it. The uh, the cord cutting and the streaming, it was mm-hmm. always a house of cards. It, from a financial standpoint, it was never a... They priced it too low. When you go into the numbers on it and you look at what these TV what these TV networks require from providers to be able to provide the service, the, 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 it was just never going to work. So I've never gotten rid of cable, and it is for this exact reason, because it was one big house of cards, and now people are upset. Oh, man, look at that impromptu TV talk with Matt. There you go. There you <laughs> go. I was uh, joking around with my wife the other day. I, I look at, because I'm 90 years old. Uh, True. I, Accurate. I look at the network TV ratings Every day, sure. every day for the primetime network shows the day before. They're posted out on some Twitter accounts that I follow. You're such a weirdo. Every single day I look at the TV ratings. Just, and I'm not talking cable. I'm literally just like ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox. I look at those and see who did what the night before. Nobody can see this, but I'm just shaking my head. At both, I'm, I'm shaking it out of anger and also out of amusement and... Oh boy, Matt, Matt, Matt! What are we gonna do with you? You check in network ratings every day. The industry interests me. <laughs> well, you know, I'm the guy who like when radio ratings day. come out, I send text messages to people like, "Hey, look, so and so went up point one." <laughs> I'm a former program director. I'm 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 built to just like look at ratings and try to break them down. Well, look, maybe just do it like every other day. Give, every give other yourself day. a rest, like on a Tuesday or something. Sheesh. But like on a then on a Wednesday, I would be like, man, what did Big Sky do last night? I gotta know what they did last night. Have you? Do you watch Big Sky? Yes, by the way? it's fantastic. Okay, hold on. Why did they? They're taking like a month break. What is up with that? It's been so long. It's been so long. <laughs> the first break they took when uh, spoil when something big happened. Big. Oh man, that was like uh, that. That month took forever. You know what's funny? Uh, before we actually talk baseball, because I do love talking TV with you. Uh, network TV is back, like super duper back. Yeah. I, there are, I think there are like some good network TV shows. And like, I consider some of the stuff on the streaming services, like Peacock has some good, that's technically network TV, even though it's streaming, but like, I think there's some good original programming going on, both network and streaming. I would a hundred percent agree. And the sad thing is because there's so many different options, less yeah. and less people are, you know, there's just too much stuff that you, you you, know, you only have a certain amount of time to watch it. So I think more good stuff is not being watched. Oh, so true. God, you know what? They need people need us to be TV critics. That's what I tell you. Because you know what? We'll take the time. We'll watch the network TV shows. We'll check. The, well, you'll check the ratings, and I'll just listen to you tell me about the ratings. But we'll watch the the weird TV shows on called Big Sky that I honestly still don't understand what it's about. But it's a great show, and it, I can't stop watching it. It's a great show. Great show. My my favorite new show of the year, without a doubt. Oh yeah, and well, we got Holy Moly season three coming soon. Oh, so baby. don't. Oh baby. Oh, we are so back. Well, why? Well, I guess we should talk baseball. All I right. wonder if people have just been pressing the plus thirty button on their podcast here, going, "Are they going to no. start talking about baseball? When are they going?" Opening day is Thursday, Paulie. Talk baseball. Sorry. All right, let's talk some baseball. I'm like, I'm always optimistic. I'm an optimistic kind of guy. I always see the uh, the way things can work. But mm-hmm. I gotta be. I look at this Brewers team. I don't see a lot of holes. And the things that you need to go right that are not guaranteed to go right, I feel like there's as good of a chance of those things going right for for them as as any other situation out there. I'm very optimistic about this team. Where 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 do you stand? I was about as pessimistic as you could be and and skeptical as you could be, probably up until January, right until pitchers and catchers reported. Uh, I was about as skeptical as you could be, just in the sense of like, look, I don't think they're going to be better than like 82 wins. I this. I just don't see it. They don't have they don't have anyone that can hit in the lineup necessarily consistently, aside from a couple of guys. I just wasn't feeling good. And then I don't know what it is, but as the spring has progressed, as I made a couple of last signings, and as I've watched more and more, I like reminded myself to just forget about last year completely. Which you and I talked about this months ago about how are we going to look at last year 
when it was happening. I'm just going to throw 2020 for the Brewers out of my head, I think. Yeah. And I'm just going to look at the way that the guys have performed in the past. Christian Yelich, obviously the big one there. Um, Kassin Hira, another huge one there. Kane, we have to because he played, what, six games last year. Um, I, I was confused by the addition of Jackie Bradley Jr., but I, at the same time, I was like, well, I'd rather have him on my roster than not have him on my roster if I'm the Brewers. Uh, so I'm I'm with you. I'm optimistic. I don't think they're not yet. Anyways, I don't think they're necessarily like World Series contenders. But I think that's a playoff team in my book right now. Yeah, they're not the Dodgers. They're not the Braves. Uh, they're not the Padres. But I think they kind of lead that second tier of teams in the National League. Oh, for sure. And like I look at the the Central as a whole. I still don't buy into the Cubs. I don't know what they were doing. Um, they the didn't Cardinals, do anything. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, they got Jack Peterson, who's having a great spring. Congrats. Um, so I don't know what that's going to translate to, and they're going to sign Anthony Rizzo to a lifetime deal. Again, congrats. Fantastic for them. Not going to make help them uh, win games. But, like, the Cardinals and the Brewers, and that's it in the Central. The Cubs are that third team. The Reds are back to being the Reds. The Pirates are back to being the Pirates of, you know, a decade ago for 20 years. Like, I, I just don't see any big competition in the Central that's going to come up to the Brewers or Cardinals and just surprise them. I think it's those two fighting for a wild card spot in the division. I would I would absolutely agree with that. And when you look at the Cardinals, like, clearly, clearly, you can make the argument that they've got the best corner infield in Major League Baseball between sure. Nolan Arnato and Paul mm-hmm. Goldschmidt, but there are still a lot of questions. They got Jack Flaherty at the top of the rotation. He's a really good pitcher, but they're relying on Miles Michaelis finding his form from two years ago. And didn't they just move him to the bullpen? I, I, I see that, that they're moving Miles Michaelis to the bullpen. If they did, I missed that. Maybe I, I swear I was looking up his name for some reason the other day, and I. I saw that he was uh, he was trending for some reason, but either way, you're like those are the two named pitchers, um, like Flaherty, who's had I think a couple of almost no hitters against the Brewers, if I remember correctly, um, and he's always pitched well against the Brewers, but he's a he's an all star caliber pitcher. Miles Michaelis has had obviously one or two, is it one really good year, and then the other year was uh, was again above average. But like when I look at the Cardinals, I think offensively, I look at them and see see that they're. I think they're better than the Brewers offensively. But pitching-wise, I think right now I'd stack up the Brewers' whole staff, reliever, relief pitching and starting pitching right now, depth-wise. Oh, I'd, I'd stack the Brewers up against the Cardinals. I'd feel pretty good about it. My Because uh, my, Michaelis has been banged up, a bullpen session is likely before the end ah. of spring. So that's where you hear bullpen. That's, bullpen. I think that's probably what you saw. There are some question marks with them in the outfield, though, too. I mean, offensively, they're a good team, but uh, – They've they've got Bader, they've got O'Neill, they've got a bunch of un unproven younger guys there in the outfield. Really, it feels like that offense is largely going to be led by those those two guys at the corners and Arenado and Goldschmidt. And what's Matt Carpenter's deal? I think he's done. I like that's I I'm curious about that because I hope he's that, not. I like him. He's a good guy. Yeah, and I and you know what? He's a fun guy to watch play baseball too. Yeah. Like just as a pure baseball fan, so I kind of in a baseball sense, I hope he's not done because he makes the game more interesting. Um, but and also from a perspective of like just creating the rivalry and making the the division race that much more interesting and fun, I think he helps the Cardinals obviously if he is back. Um, but I I just would you would agree with me that it's it's those two teams and no one else even in the division is even like gonna threaten. No, I don't agree with that completely. Uh, I don't think the Reds or Pirates are going to threaten, but I still, it's hard to look at the Cubs and not see Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Wilson Contreras, and not say that there isn't at least a path for them. Uh, sure. I, I, is, it, is it a likely path? No. But is there a path for them to be very good in contending for the division? I absolutely think so. No, I wonder... Um with the expanded playoffs going away again for one year or whatever baseball ends up deciding to do. We don't have to get into that conversation right now, but I wonder uh, how that's going to affect teams in the first two months of the year. Thinking about that, going back to that mentality of what it used to be again, used to be because last year was so weird of, okay, now we have to ramp up going thinking to 162 game season, but also we just had this weird 60 game season. And also, Another also is that our minor league system has still been weird because there was no minor league system last year. So I'm I'm wondering how teams are approaching that uh, in terms of teams that aren't like the Brewers or the Cardinals or the Cubs, for example, in in this division and and throughout the National League, too. But teams that 
are already pieced together, essentially. Like those are the teams that I think are going to benefit. But I'm curious if you think when we get later in the year, when there's going to be more and more guys that are playing minor league years and alternate site games and getting more games back under their belt, if that's going to change things. Are you talking about just in terms of the decisions to roster decisions to be made as yeah. teams look and Rosters, see if they're going to yeah, be in roster the- decisions? Roster decisions would be number one. And then also just in general, like uh, starting rotations. I, Mike Petriello of MLB.com did an article earlier in the week about which teams are set to do, you know, six man rotations to start five man rotations. Who The Brewers are the one that's always at like five and a half. They're going to start right. six guys usually, but they're locked into a five man rotation likely. So I, that's that's also where I'm looking at it, too, is how are the first two months of the season going to look? when it comes to rotations and also in rosters just in general. Yeah, I think well there's two things. I think first off, you got to you got to limit innings on pitchers a lot. Uh starters should not be going more than 5 very often at the beginning. I'm going to have when you look at the Brewers schedule, they have four off days in the first 4 weeks. They don't play the first two Fridays and then they don't play the next two Thursdays. So the first time they're going to play uh more than a, a full week without an off day is they're going to play a game on Friday, April 23rd, and they're not going to have another off day until Monday, May 10th. That's about two and a half week period right there. That I think we're going to if you and I have a conversation on Monday, May 10th, that off day, and evaluate kind of what they did over the last two weeks in terms of mm-hmm. pitching, I think that's going to tell the story of what things are going to look like through the year. Are they going to go? I think there's a very good chance they go to a six man rotation at that point. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that at some point there's a bullpen game in there. Like the other day on Brewers Weekly, Greg Hill and I were joking about what the over under for number of starting mm-hmm. pitchers used during the season's going to be. I put it at 12 and a half. Well, what. <sighs> <laughs> 12 and a half okay what's Ooh. the what's the over under for number of starting pitchers being used between friday april 23rd and sunday may 9th seven? Oh god yeah i guess seven I, i'd say seven and a half and i would take the under though Maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way. I, I still don't. I would say like until you're 12 and a half, I would take the under two, but I would say it like 11. I'd say oh, 11 I, or 12. I take the over. I take the over. Man. The last full season that they played, their last 162, they started either 12 or 13, and they weren't coming off a 60-game season that year. Right. Last year, they used eight or nine in 60 games. Well, I look, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again for the rest of my entire life. I'm wrong a lot, but I'm going to I'm going to stick to that. That's my bold prediction. They're not going to use whatever I said 12 and a okay. half. Is that a good did I set the over under at the correct spot? I think that's really good, especially going back and basing that like okay, they've already done this in the past, so we might as well set it somewhere in the middle. Uh, but I think that also like speaks to uh, the rotations that they've had in the past, the rotations they have now like look they had they signed this, they signed Josh Lindblom to this you know three year contract last year. He underperforms. Freddie Peralta over not overperforms but performs really well out of the bullpen. Comes to spring and now he's performing well in the spring. Like okay, you you've got the last spot. You're going to swap places with Lindblom, but there's no chance that they're not both in the rotation in the April at some point and to start May like you're talking about. So I think those are the two guys um, you're going to see a lot at the end of April. Brent Suter's going to get starts. Um, Eric Lauer is going to get starts. When you look at young guys, I think there's a chance that Aaron Ashby's in this rotation at the end of the year if he continues to perform the way that uh, he has been performing. Again, anytime we talk about a minor league guy, this kind of goes back to talk about you know last year and how does last year impact this year. It's really tough to evaluate mm-hmm. the um, the developmental schedule of any player who missed an entire season of baseball last year. Yeah, and I I quickly want to transition, if you don't mind, to Ashby because I'm curious about him. What's their plan for him this season versus long term? Because you mentioned that he might be in the rotation. You th- you think that you could see that happening? Uh, well, I mean, you know, I, I hate using the word rotation. He could he might make a start. He could okay. he'll make starts. Okay. Is he going to be one of five going into the final week of the season? No. But, again, this goes back to there's going to be times this year where they're going to be looking for somebody to make a start, mm-hmm. and he might be that guy. There's going to – I. You can go back on this uh, at the end of the year. We can at the what the the sixteen minute mark of this interview. I think at some point during the course of the year there will be a pitcher called up from Double A to make a start for the Brewers. I'll buy into that. Sure, I'll buy into that. Now I'm curious, Aaron Ashby. Uh, is he going to start the season on the 25? Did no. he make the team, do you think? No. 
How long until we see him? Only, only be, I'm just curious because that goes back to my my point and what I would what I've talked myself into with the Brewers this season is their depth of pitch. And I know this is the same thing over the last five years essentially with the Brewers is their depth of pitching. Um, I think that's one of the things that I've talked myself into. I still don't think the offense is great, but I think it's passable. I really am buying into their pitching staff and the fact that the way that Aaron Ashby was pitching for a stretch uh, in spring training this year, like if that's the real deal with him and you don't have to bring him up yet and you can actually get away with letting him develop some more and then bring him up when you really need him to this year, I think that's a good sign. And I think the other side of this is the minor league season isn't going to start for another month plus mm-hmm. after the season gets going. And with all due respect to everything that they're going to be doing at the alternate training site, the alternate the, tr- the alternate training site is built to keep guys fresh and sharp. Mm-hmm. It's not built to develop. develop. Yeah. Um, so, there, you, you know, Garrett Mitchell is a guy that's been talked about a ton. Mitchell needs a bat. Corey Ray's another guy. Craig Council just said this on one of his uh, Zooms in the last uh, few days. The best thing that Corey Ray can have is a AAA season that starts on time and his ability to be in the lineup every day. That's what yeah. a lot of these guys just need. And even some of the prospects who got to spend some time at the uh, at the ATS last season, um, it, it, it did not help their development that much. Oh man, you mentioned Corey Ray. Like that's that's my guy. Obviously, the Louisville connection and the Chicago connections. He's my guy. Um, I I have had really high hopes for him coming off. What was that? Twenty nineteen when he had twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen when he had an MVP season. I think it was in Double A. Um, I had really high hopes that hey, he was about to make the leap, and he had injury riddled and not so great twenty nineteen. And then last year was last year. So I'm curious if he's ever going to get into this uh, outfield rotation with the Brewers. I'm not certain. If he is. And it hasn't, when you look at where he's at, kind of, because he was in Major League Spring Training and you look yeah. at all the Major League outfielders, you know, Billy McKinney has made a run here at, in, towards mm-hmm. the end of spring training. And I think there's a very good chance that he opens up the season uh, on the roster. Tyrone Taylor has had as good of a spring yeah, as any no outfielder. So now all of a sudden, not only are you sitting behind that core group of Lorenzo Kane, Christian Yelich, Jackie Bradley Jr., and Avi Garcia, it feels like you're behind McKinney. It feels like you're behind Tyrone Taylor. There's some other guys who have been in the outfield mix who are now on the injured list. It just it feels like he's going the wrong way on that proverbial depth chart. So, and then the depth chart also of the outfield. Uh, Avi Garcia. I know, like after the Jackie Bradley Jr. signing, uh, was a lot of people wondering what what they do with him, and he was quoted as saying, "You know, he talked to council and he's got a good idea of what the plan is, and he feels okay with it moving forward." Do you think? he's going to be impacted by this because he's had as streaky as a career as I can remember a guy that's been as highly touted kind of from the start. Like he was, he was going to be the next Miguel Cabrera. Then he gets traded to the White Sox and uh, he has two not really good years and then one awesome year and then signed to the Brewers. And it's like, okay, well, this is a, a weird year. So how are we going to take it? And they signed Jackie Bradley Jr. And now he's kind of in the no man's land of your, your third and a half, fourth outfielder. Um, so I'm curious what his role is going to be on the team in the long run this season. Yeah, I think at the beginning of the season it's going to be uh, a non a non issue because they're going to be gonna so need, careful with Lorenzo yeah. Cain. Uh, I I know Cain's been in the lineup. I got to be honest with you. Until I get to the ballpark on Thursday and Lorenzo Cain is in the starting lineup, I just I'm not uh, from a health standpoint and just being ready standpoint. I'm not 100% confident that he's there. I hope I'm wrong. Brad, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr. is a little bit banged up. Where this where this plays out, Ashton, is the final two months of the season, where it's kind of like it's kind of like basketball because in basketball, as the season goes along, that ten man rotation becomes a seven man rotation down the stretch of the season. Well, in baseball. All of a sudden, if you're that team that's got a different lineup every single day, if you're contending for a playoff spot and you're going in the final month, month and a half of the year, you want to have basically that core lineup that you're able to go with, or at least a right. core lineup versus righties, core lineup uh, versus lefties. And the Brewers have to be in it because if you're going to be Avi Garcia and all of a sudden your playing time is down because you've got Kane, Bradley, and Yelich in the lineup every single time, if you're a team that's winning and you're a team that's in it for the playoffs, it's probably a lot easier to say, okay, I'm just part of this team. But if something happens and they're not in it, I think that's where it all of a sudden becomes more of an issue because 
you're, you're, A, you're not playing, and B, you're not playing for anything. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Brewers are going to be very much in this thing down the stretch of the season. But when it comes to his playing time really impacted, I don't see that really being an issue until late in the year. I'll tell you what, I, I'm very excited just in general for the outfield. I, I'm not just excited, but like fascinated by the depth and what you're talking about of when is it going to shift to, okay, now we know with the set core, how's Lorenzo King going to bounce back? Uh, is Jackie Bradley Jr. going to continue to sort of not be able to hit, but be able to produce runs for you necessarily? I'm, I'm, I'm very uh, fascinated by how the outfield is going to work out. I'm, um, so when you think about teams that are expected to do well, You've got like this base group of guys, kind of you know going back to that core group, and I think that's true. With the, even if it's four outfielders, you still have a core group of four outfielders that are going to be out there. I'm really intrigued by the infield because right now at shortstop, it could be Orlando Arcia or Luis Urias at any given day. At third base, it could be Travis Shaw or Orlando Arcia at any given day. At first base, it could be Kevin uh, Castanhira or Travis Shaw on any given day. And you have Daniel Robertson to fill basically all of those spots as well. And Daniel Vogelbach to be able to Mm -hmm. fill all those spots if he does make the roster. I don't know if there's like that. That's a lot of flux in in one area of a team for a team that's expected to be pretty good. Okay, my follow up question to that because I agree with you, but I I would have two months ago before the Colton Wong signing, before everything has happened with Travis Shaw and him looking at least like a major league player again, I would have said the same thing and looked at it as a negative. I'm almost viewing it as a positive, like hey. You got all these dudes that can play this. They can be versatile. Your only hangup, my only hangup, I should say, is still Keston Hero playing first base. Not because I don't want him to be in the lineup, but because I'm genuinely concerned if defensively he's going to be able to be not necessarily everyday first baseman, but can he be four or five days of the week? Can he be a first baseman every day? I'm not worried about his hitting. I'm worried about him playing defense. Yeah. There's, the, there's always the joke in money, from Moneyball of, you know, now you can learn first base. It's not that hard. And, and, you know, Ron Washington says it's incredibly difficult. I lean towards that. It's incredibly difficult. It's not an easy position to play. I know people want to make fun of it and say that it is. It's not. Um, and I just I'm con- that's the that's the position where I'm concerned the most at is at what point is at what point are we going to talk to ourselves into saying, OK, he's not a liability or, oh, boy, he is. We're going to watch it. Right, well, uh, we're going to find out pretty quickly. I go back to. um Remember when Ryan Braun was playing a fair amount first base? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll hear you out here. So when it started, he looked like a first baseman. When And the roster kind of changed around a little bit, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. he wasn't needed at first base anymore. But right at the end, it was still pretty early in the season, right at the end of him playing a lot of first base, he started not looking like a first baseman anymore. He, all yep. of a sudden, some of those issues started to kind of creep up on him. So that's going to be the thing with Keston Hira. He might look like a really solid guy who can do the job first baseman for the first week, but get three weeks, get a month into the season. If he's playing at first base every single day, we're going to we're gonna know quickly whether or not he can do that. More importantly, the Brewers are going to know quickly whether or not he can do that. And if he can't, then they can start to adjust on the fly. And back to the, the versatility that I was saying, I was viewing that as a positive. Do you think having all these guys in it, it's almost in a platoon. You've got three positions essentially where you can look at it as a platoon. Do you do that as a positive or a negative? Do you think, do you think they're better off figuring out who is doing what when for how long you know the majority of the time i think it's a positive in the sense that you can play the hot hand um but what worries me is what if travis shaw goes into a slump and you can't put him in the lineup and Mm -hmm. he doesn't play for four or five days and you put daniel robertson at third or you get your you're getting really good production from arcia and urias and all of a sudden, Shaw isn't playing every day, and he just never comes out of it because he's not given that opportunity. That's the only thing that worries me. And it, I guess it's a good problem to have because if you've got a guy who's not getting the opportunity to be able to play every day, that means somebody else has earned the opportunity. But at the same time, I would just be – there are some guys, and I would put Travis Shaw in this group, there are some guys who need to play every day to be at their best and – 
the only thing that would ever concern me is they're not going to get that opportunity. Now, we've always seen the Brewers use a lot of guys at a different positions, and Shaw's been on this team, and he's been in that exact same spot. He's He was somebody who's moved over to second base at one yep. point in time. So it's probably a, a nothing issue, but if I'm going to try to find an issue with having five guys for three spots, I guess that would be it. You think, uh, let's say, let's look, let's crystal ball this, Greg Matzik's favorite term, a month into the season, are we going to see Travis Shaw at third base, do you think, as the regular third baseman? Yeah, I think he's the everyday guy. Uh, mm-hmm. At least the everyday guy, or if they go into a platoon situation, uh, you do that. But I, he's he's a big part of this team. And I keep saying this, his numbers that he put up at Toronto last year play yeah. just fine. Yeah, I, I, I think, agree with that. You know, I think Brewers fans sometimes have a hard time when players leave and come back, they remember the guy who left and they ignore the guy that they were when they were not a brewer. And uh, his baseball card numbers in Toronto were okay. His advanced numbers in Toronto were pretty darn good. Yeah. No, like I, that was one of the things I was actually excited when I saw him uh, coming back and working back to the fold because I, that was my biggest worry this season, aside from casting hero. But again, I'm told, well, like I said, I'm manufacturing that in my brain to be as long as one is bat in the lineup, I'll take it. It's fine. The third base thing was huge to me because I, again, it's a big position and a gap that they've needed to fill basically since Musaka's left, since Shaw was gone. Like, and they were doing all of the wacky stuff that they've been doing there. Uh, so I, I was concerned they weren't going to have enough. Um, I don't know how good Daniel Robertson's going to be. I don't know how good Orlando RC is going to be as a third baseman. I know what he is as a shortstop. Like, yeah. I, and I feel comfortable enough with that. And if they had wanted to move him to second base before, or Rios to second base before the Colton Long signing, great. I would have been on board with that. Um, but I, I feel a lot better knowing that Travis Shaw is the third baseman. The fact that a he is a third baseman, and b when he's at his quote unquote peak, like we know what it looks like. Uh, we haven't seen enough of Luis Orias to know who he is at all. Correct. Um, it is going to frustrate me the first time a ball gets by him that Orlando would have gotten to when Orlando's sure. playing at third at that moment. I think that's fair because, and that goes back to what I said. Like we know what Orlando is at, at shortstop. Like we know uh, we, as in anybody that's watching Orlando or see a play baseball, like we know what he is at shortstop. We know what his range is. You can feel comfortable with his range. Um, and I'm with you, but, but at the same time, like I was super excited for this trade when it happened when say, okay, look, there's another guy, but I was excited for it because I thought it meant that Brewers had a second baseman for the future. And then they went and signed Colton Wong. So it's like, okay, now this throws us into a fl- in flux a little bit. Um, but I, I think that, and this is a situation to me where if you trade for that guy and you think he's part of your future and Luis Arias, you, your hand is almost forced to see what he can or cannot do. And they couldn't do it last year. So now this is like the experimental stretch of time we're going to see is what position can he actually play and what position can he actually excel at? We're still more than a year out from really being able to decide who wins that trade if there is a winner. But as it sits right now, it's one of the few moves that David Stearns has made that looks like it very much is an advantage for the other team. Because Urias just hasn't done much. Eric Lauer hasn't done much. Trent Grisham has turned into a very oh, solid I player. Agree. I look, I, I agree in the sense that like I, I didn't want to see them. That's that's my point. I was like, I didn't want to see Trent Grisham, Trent Grisham grow. Um, and I thought that was a bad trade just for that aspect. Not from the sense that I wasn't sure what was coming back, but just because I thought Trent Grisham was going to be good. Um, and who knows? Hopefully he has the same 2021 as he had in 2020. But like, that's my point of you have to see what you have with him. And, he, and like you're saying, it's going to frustrate you. I can only imagine if something frustrates you, that level is like amped up to, to fans by like 50. Probably. I, think, I, I agree. I, I hope we don't get there that often. That's that's the, the best hope there. And let me say one more thing on Grisham. We'll never know if he would have been the same guy in Milwaukee last sure. year that he was in San Diego. Like, you know, scenery changes are a real thing. And he was coming off that situation in the playoffs the year before, and he was going to have to answer questions about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's a strong like he, he's got great character, comes from a great family. Like there are all indications that he would have been able to handle that fine, but maybe he wouldn't have. Maybe that's something that would have com- continued to kind of hang over his head. So maybe it was a situation where what he who he is now is not who he would be with the Brewers, if that makes sense. 
No, that makes sense. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. Glad you agree. I, I And again, I'm, it's not that I'm agree. I'm just saying it per, <coughs> hypothetically it's a possibility. Oh, sure. I'm not even saying that absolutely uh, is a thing. Are you frustrated by the fact that the DH is yes. gone for a year? Like just the lack of... Yes. Okay. The answer is yes. It's, it, I, of course I'm frustrated, man. Because I, I think it's straight up stupid. I, and I know this goes back to another thing that I, I don't blame the players for this. They're play, they're using their leverage the same way that the owners are trying to use their leverage and the league's trying to use their leverage. It's just a, to me, it's just a dumb back and forth game that we're already going to see. We're going to see it change anyways. Um, so it's stupid to me to, to change it for one year. Under, again, the un, unprecedented circumstances, all that. It's the worst phrase in history now. But like, and then be like, oh, you know, we're just going to go back to how it was. And then we're going to, again, in a year, switch back to how we did it. The one year we switched for the one year. This, Pick it, just choose it. Just right. do it. That's that was my point from the start is the minute you choose to do it, then do it. Then it then that's done. It is what it is. Yeah, I like the National League game better. I don't want there to be a DH, but I also accept the fact that there probably is going to be one next year. So going away from it for a year and then coming back. Like it's just it's we all know it's gonna be here. So why are they just not doing it? And yeah. again, this plays into what is a scary situation for next year when you're going into the negotiations on the collective bargaining agreement, which is just, I'm, I'm just so scared for the game of baseball. Yeah. I, I, look, I said this two years ago before the pandemic even happened that I was assuming there's going to be some sort of strike or lockout or whatever baseball is going to see. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I really don't think I'm going to be. Hopefully it's just similar to what the NFL went through, where it's just like a sp- going through spring training. What they went through was just their summer workouts and they ended up getting it fixed in time for the season to start on time. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I don't understand the idea of allowing, we changed this one year, we're going to change it again in two years, knowing that you're going to change it again in two years and just going back to the way it was for one year. It just didn't make sense to me, the, the philosophy behind it. And look, the way baseball has, has worked, who knows? Maybe in the next two days they're going to change it up anyway. Yeah. Maybe by maybe opening day we're going to see DHs. If I was advising the players and advising the owners, and nobody's asking me for my opinion. I'd love for you to. Uh, and you may not like what I'm actually about to say. I would tell them to take the current deal that they're playing under, extend it by one year, and do this one year later because we are too close to the pandemic where revenue is down. We can't predict the future right now on what things are going to look like. And owners are operating scared because revenue was so far down. Let's this, even this year is not going to be normal. And we're going to continue to see teams trying to shed payroll throughout the course of the year. And not every team is going to even get to full capacity by the end of the year. This year isn't normal. Go negotiate this thing after a normal year. That would be my suggestion. My counter to that, for the sake of argument's sake here, because I actually agree with that, I think. If you're the players, why would you do that? Knowing that, because to me, if you're the players and someone comes to you and says, hey, what you've got going right now, it is what it is for this year, rather than, you know, mess yourself up when things do get back to quote-unquote normal, why don't you extend it one more year? Try to build some, some. I don't know if it's just good partnership with the owners and and whatever it would be for another year. I my curiosity would be, why should the players do that? Like, what incentive do they have to do that? I think the incentive is not negotiating a collective bargaining agreement coming off a year where revenues were way down, so owners are going to be willing to give less. The, let the owners be in as good a mood as possible where revenue is up when you're negotiating that. I think you, as as the players, you are in a better negotiating position when Major League Baseball is swimming in money. Yes, I agree. I agree with that statement a hundred percent. I would also say it's not the player's job to worry about the mood of the owners. Okay, but but, but I agree with you. I, I, that's why, like, I I think that you're right that that probably would be the best way to do it because you prolong the idea of conversation. The problem with that is. I don't trust the head of baseball and I don't trust the head of the players association. So I, if I, I don't, I don't know how much the players do. I don't know how much agents do. I don't know how much owners do for my, like, I don't, I don't know how much anyone trusts anybody, which is not a good sign 
heading into a year where you're going to have to negotiate. But you can't build trust right now. There is that's no right. way to saying. build trust. The, the climate will not allow building trust. Now, maybe maybe we're in the exact same spot a year from now and you still can't build trust, but there's more of an opportunity to build trust when sellout crowds are coming through the turnstiles. Yes, I, I, agree, I agree on the concept that there's no way to build trust right now. I also agree on the concept that I don't know how at any point, I don't know how they're going to build trust anyways. Like this, this just seems like a let's negotiate in good faith in another year. Let's extend this and hopefully things are back to normal. And hopefully we're negotiating in good faith of, hey, we think things are going back to normal. We can get back to a room and we can by 2023 actually have something hammered down that everyone can be semi happy with. I just don't know how you build that trust at this point. I don't, I don't know if that means if it's going to take changing leadership, which how are you going to do that right now? Like you're not going to. Um, so I'm, that's why I'm, I'm concerned about how you build trust. That's why I'm with you on it. I, I think it is probably the best possible answer to what their issues are. I just don't see players doing that. I do wonder, like you and I agree, like we just don't think Rob Manfred is a good commissioner. Mm-hmm. At what His job is to make money for the owners. Correct. And yeah. he has done a pretty good job at that. I do wonder what, would have to happen negatively from for the game. Something else to watch. Like I'm not trying to go all political here, but a lot of people are up in arms about the uh, about the voting laws that were just passed in Georgia. And you got an All Star game coming up, and yep. now all of a sudden we're we're starting to hear rumors that players are going to not want to play the All Star game in Georgia if those voting laws are in place. Where is ownership going to stand on that? And are they going to back the players, or, or what is that going to look like? Again, I'm not going political here. No, that's a good question. Of I, I'm looking at it from the angle of where the owner is going to go, because the owners are the ones again that are handling the money here. Like yeah. they're the ones that are spending the money with the league and in the league making money. I think that's an interesting angle to take. I saw Dave Roberts um, was quoted as saying, "I'm not sure I would manage at the All Star Game if we were the team that was." Uh, if I was named the manager there, I'm not sure I would go there to manage. I think it's interesting from the sense of uh, that's that's going to a, a PR move of if you're the owners, are you going to side with your players at that point? Or is that is that a way for the owners to build trust with players and say, okay, we hear you? Where is that is that one way for the league looking from this specific example? Would that be one way for the owners to actually try and build some trust, which is something uh, in my lifetime I don't believe they've ever done? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Do you think, uh, I mean, baseball's not the NBA when it comes to things like social justice, but Mm -hmm. last year we saw the Brewers and Reds not play a game. We saw baseball players becoming a little bit more active uh, Mm -hmm. in that realm, and I, I think baseball, baseball didn't denounce it, you know, like, so, I don't know. It's, uh, it's tough for me to talk about because I'm a baseball guy. I'm not an expert in, in these sort of things, but I do know that today's athlete does want to feel like the people that's signing their paychecks are not just signing their paychecks, but mm-hmm. also believe in them and defend them and, and, and see and those type of things. Which is that's why I'm going back to the building trust. I think you got to both sides have to find little ways to build trust with each other. All right, back to baseball before we uh, wrap things up. What's uh what's your number one question for the Brewers going into the year? Will they be able to outscore their opponents? <laughs> I'm I'm dead serious. Will the let, let me rephrase it better because now that I said it out loud, you giggled. <laughs> I understand why you giggled. <laughs> Will their offense be able to keep up with another team's offense? Okay, I do. Yeah, I, I was talking about this the other day with somebody. I can't remember. Yeah, the, and this is why I chuckled. At the end of the day, your job is to score more runs than the other team. That's and it doesn't really matter how you do it. You can do it yep. by scoring a bunch of runs. You can do it by saving a bunch of runs, whether it's pitching, whether it's fielding. At the end of the day, your job is to score more runs than the other team. And with the addition of Colton Wong, with the addition of Jackie Bradley Jr., it really feels like the Brewers are attempting to win that equation more with defense than they ever have before. Right, which is why I'm looking naturally because, you know, me, the idiot. Uh, that's why naturally I'm looking at their offense and I'm, I'm concerned at um, the power numbers. Like that's been the big talking point. Or will they be able to keep up power-wise? I, I am very interested that. Who are their power hitters right now, Matt? Keston Hira, Christian Yelich, Colton Wong? No, I wouldn't put Abby? Wong as a... That's, uh, who else is a power hitter? Do you count Travis Shaw if he's... Having good at bats, like that's how many home runs? Would you say okay? First off, when you say power, are you hitting home runs? Are you talking extra base hits? 
uh, I'd, I'd be looking at extra base hits. I, I will expand it to extra base hits. I'd even expand it to just straight up. Uh, are you above average OPS? Okay. You, when, when you start looking at advanced numbers, are you driving in runs? Are you getting on base? Are you hitting for a slugging percentage? You got to put Omar Narvaez in that group then. Sure. Is he going to be good enough behind the plate to play enough to where that matters? Yeah, he was fine last year behind the plate. He was an above okay. average. He wasn't a, he wasn't a big time above average defensive catcher, but he was an above average defensive catcher last year. I think we haven't even we've been talking now for 41 minutes and we haven't said Omar Narvaez's name and he might be the single biggest key to what this team is going to do offensively because for whatever reason I think he's going to be Omar Narvaez at the plate again this year and I think that's going to be a huge bat in the lineup. Oh, I'd love to see that happen. I I was this was last year. I was you remember you and I talked a bunch last year before the season and before everything even happened about their offseason moves. I was super skeptical of of how uh, David Stearns and company managed the offseason. And look, it was a weird offseason, and then it turned into an even weirder season. So fine. Uh, I'd love to see Omar Narvaez back to being Omar Narvaez because, and I've talked about this with our teammate Gabe Neitzel a bunch, Manny Pena is a really good number two catcher to have on your team. He's a really good number two catcher. The problem is he's been their number one catcher except for the Yasmani Grandal year. And I don't know if Omar Narvaez is, can be consistently good enough to be the number one catcher on the Brewers where you can rely on Manny Pena to just be Manny Pena and Omar Narvaez can actually provide you the offensive output that will keep him in the lineup and in, quite frankly, in the catching position day in and day out. I'm looking up some numbers real quick. So Ooh, I love numbers. Yeah. And in a radio interview, this would be really bad because... What's your favorite number? <laughs> I don't know. I've never... never Mine is six. Six? Okay. My... Um... I have a two-year-old daughter, and she loves the uh, the Sesame Street song. Eight oh. is great. Eight. It is eight, great. Eight. We is use great. we use that on Jen Game and Chewy for Giannis's free throws. We use the count uh, counting song. My my yeah. daughter does the count laugh. The, uh, uh, the, the, the stomp stomp. Uh, it's so good. Yeah, um, I'm still looking stats. Okay, going back to the twenty. Uh, 20 regular season yeah it's 2021 gosh i love a podcast i'm so free all right so last year omar nervaez appeared in 40 games had 108 at bats manny pina appeared in 15 games and had 39 at bats is that right wasn't he injured he was but i mean i guess the point that i'm trying to make is i i think omar nervaez was the number one catcher last year yes yes and i, and I think his defense was perfectly fine all right, look, I'm, I'm all on board with the catching position actually being figured out to where Omar Narvaez is a plus offensively as well as not a negative defensively. I did all that. We went down the Sesame Street Road all so I could yeah. say, well, Omar Narvaez was the number one guy last year. <laughs> See, I was right, you idiot. I said, you should have just, just said that, and I would have believed you. I'd have been like, yeah, that's true, I am. I question myself. So, And going back, going full circle, this is how we're going to wrap things up. Going full circle, talk? not quite, just uh, not quite full circle, going like 350 degrees. Um in terms of what last year meant, I think I've said this on this podcast before. So when Brent Suter had his first media availability this year, mm-hmm. everybody wanted to talk about the playoff game last year where he couldn't throw a strike. Mm-hmm. And I had completely forgotten that that happened until I started hearing him talk. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's right. He had that He had that just horrible moment where he just could not throw a strike. And I just felt so bad for him during that period. I don't... What anything that happened last, like the the big overall narratives, like Corbin Burns taking a step forward, Christian Yelich not having a very good batting average, yada yada yada. I remember those things, but in terms of like any individual thing really happening last year, it's just it's like it didn't even happen. That's why, like, when, right when we started this, that's why I said I almost am taking the approach or trying to with the Brewers specifically of hey. Maybe 2020 just didn't happen. Let's just pretend it didn't happen. And I think everyone could, would be in a much better mood if we just pretended 2020 didn't happen as a whole. If you want to take little things and look at them and say Cor- the Corbin Burns thing, you want to look at that and say, here, finally, the Brewers have their number two starter. You want to look at the Yelich thing and say, off year, he was he just wasn't seeing the ball well enough. He looks back to normal. Keston Hira, same thing. The Keston Hira slump didn't help Christian Yelich and vice versa. Like, I think if you want to take the little things and look at him, sure. Uh, but I'm I'm totally on board with anyone who says, I'm just going to forget 2020 baseball season and just approach this as brand new, like, let's get it rolling. 
This is audio only, so it's not good for our uh, listeners. But what hat are you wearing right now? Oh, this is the Louisville Bats, uh, which is a AAA oh, okay. team yeah. for the Cincinnati Reds. Their old hat was so much better. It was Their old colors were purple and black, and it was the Batman logo, essentially bat. Like, it was a literal bat. And it was the logo, and their logo was an L and a B, and the B had wings on it. It was so cool. I like this one because this is like a little Casper bat. It, like, looks cool. The bats because Louisville, you know, Louisville Slugger. Yes. Louisville is one of my favorite yeah. places in the world. Uh, so yeah, that's today's minor league hat of the day. Yeah, you wear one almost every day, and I ask, I generally ask what it is. I don't always know. Yes, so I've been, uh, I've been wearing this one. I haven't worn in a long time. Uh, it is one of my favorites, mainly because it's one of the most comfortable. Um, but yeah, that's the hat of the day. We're both wearing random. Can you tell what I'm wearing? I, it looks like I'm leaning forward. It looks like you're wearing some sort of Grizzlies. It is a uh, Colorado College hat. Oh, okay, Colorado College. All Colorado right. College. They. Uh, they have two Division One sports. They have women's soccer, and then they have men's ice hockey. Yep. And their ice hockey program plays in the NCHC, yes, which is do. the SEC of college hockey. Yes, um, it is. Uh, they have really struggled in that league because of that. They just fired their head coach, unfortunately, Mike Havlin, former uh, Blackhawks assistant coach, I believe. I was going to say, I yeah. feel like I remember hearing that name. Yeah, Mike Havlin just got let go uh, this past week. They're in a coaching search, but I am a fan of Colorado College Tigers hockey. Man, I love college hockey. Oh, let's let's get off a tangent here. College hockey. You've been watching the uh, the regionals. I haven't watched much of it. Up? Just I. This is still. I'm in that still that weird thing in a pandemic where my sports viewing habits, I've not completely reverted back to what they would normally be. Are they going to once uh, first pitch opening day happens? I think so. Be, in, be back into some sort of uh, normality. Yeah, yeah. I've, I'm already feel like as as I've gone through the last week where I haven't slept, I already feel like it's uh, just about baseball season. I do think things are going to get better. But I do love college hockey. I love yeah. the, the the game of college hockey is is so much fun to watch, especially so when you go fun. to a place. I haven't gone to a Badgers hockey game. I've been here like five years now. Somehow, Me neither. You're, we're going to go together next year. Okay, we'll yeah, go. we'll go to a that that I'd be all in on that. Because I, I love when I, my one, as I always say, my one glorious year at Bowling Green State University in Bowling Green, Ohio, go Falcons. Uh, we, I went to every single home hockey game. It sat two rows behind uh, the home net where they shot, where they shot twice. No, where they defend. Yeah, where they shot twice. Where they shot twice. Um, and it was some of the most fun I've ever had. Is as watching college hockey that close um, and just being in the arena. And they were really good that year, and they're they've been a pretty good program ever since. Um, so I'm I'm enjoying a big fan of college hockey. My uh, my claim to fame when it comes to college hockey is so North Dakota was the Fighting Sioux. Mm-hmm. They're now the Hawks. Yeah, they're the Hawks. I think that sounds right. So they went through this time where they didn't have a name. Yep, they were like the Washington Football Team. <laughs> so I was doing radio in Colorado Springs, and we started calling them the Maple Hens, <laughs> and we had somebody create a graphic. That's that looked like a what you would think would be like a maple. It was like a hen carrying like a bucket of maple syrup. Oh my god, I would love a hat of that. And I uh, I put the image out on like our our social medias mm-hmm. and told told people bring print these out and bring them to the game. And I had like a bunch of gear from Colorado College that I was going to walk around. So people who I saw with the maple hen stuff, I was going to give stuff to. And it was really cool because a lot of people did it. So North Dakota's there, and all these people, like during warmups, are right at the glass holding <laughs> up the pictures of the North Dakota Maple Hens. That is fantastic. I just looked up on Twitter because I wanted to see if I could find anything. Um, I don't believe this is it. There's a tweet from 2012, November 2012, which says, CC, well, no, maybe it is CC Tigers versus North Dakota Maple Hens. Chris Braden. Yeah, yeah. That's my former wow. co-host. Look at that. Look at that. Way to go, Maddie. I'm proud of you. Uh, Steve, look at that. Look at us learning stuff about college hockey. You're welcome, listeners. All right. Thanks, Ashton. Thank you, Maddie. Ashton Robin joining us here on Brewers Extra Names, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. How about that? We get uh, some TV talk in there. We get some college hockey talk, but obviously we talk a lot of baseball as well. So uh, thanks for putting up with uh, all the other stuff. Hopefully you uh, you enjoyed it, or maybe you just pressed the uh, plus 30 button on your podcast app until you got to a point where you heard uh, baseball talk. But nonetheless, certainly enjoy uh, Ashton joining us. Another reminder, we said this at the beginning of the podcast, but maybe you fast forward through it. For those of you who are in 
in the Milwaukee five-county area. You can now stream the Brewers games at WTMJ.com. In the past, uh, the only way to stream uh, the games inside of, or really period, uh, was to have uh, the MLB game day audio subscription. For those of you who are outside of the Milwaukee five-county area, you're still going to have to have that uh, game day subscription to be able to stream uh, the Brewers uh, games, the Brewers radio broadcast. But for folks who are in the uh, area, you can now stream Brewers games on the WTMJ stream at WTMJ.com, on the WTMJ app, on third-party apps that have the WTMJ stream, so on and so forth. Uh, That's going to be available. And, of course, we will come your way with Brewers extra innings after the vast majority of games. Uh, If you're just getting to know what we do, we do not have the extended postgame show after weekday day games that are not holidays. So there's a handful of those over the course of the year. So for opening day, we won't be on right after, but we will have uh, Brewers Weekly on Thursday night from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. And then we will have our first edition of Brewers Extra Innings coming up after the Saturday game when they match up against the Twins. My appreciation to uh, Ashton Rotman for joining us on the podcast. My appreciation to you for being tuned in. And I look forward to talking to you uh, next week and all season long for Brewers Baseball. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.